First off, I'd really like to give it up for our worship team. Those, don't those guys do a great job every single week? I don't know how many of you guys were able to come and experience our worship night last Sunday, but they, they did an incredible job then. They're here every Sunday morning, early, 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 setting up, practicing, getting ready to lead us into worship. And I know that, that that's got to be one of the highlights of my week. Um, like the video said, my name is J.D., um, I lead the prayer ministry here at the Springs Church, and I also lead the um, small group that goes out and helps with the food pantry at the Short Creek Dream Center. And um, I, I'm, I'm hugely appreciative to get the opportunity to talk to you today. I'm also really appreciative that our pastor, Pastor Brian, gets the opportunity to get some time away and some time to refresh. I know this is going to be a great week for him, so I would ask that you would keep him and Ian in your prayers this week that they would have uneventful travel, that they would have good time away, and that the Lord would speak um, during that time. Um, like, I, like we said, we're starting a new series today called Running with the Giants. So I want to go ahead and start and give you the verse. This is going to be the verse for the main series that's, that we're going to be going through for the next several weeks. And it comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So the premise is that there is a huge crowd of witnesses. There's lots of people that have lived before us, and we learn from them by, number one, reading the word, seeing what they experienced and everything like that, but we're actually running a race. Life is a race, and we're running the race, and we want to run in a way that we win, according to the Apostle Paul. Um, and there, all of those people are up in the grandstands. They're up there watching. Abraham's up there watching. Job's up there watching. And they're all cheering us on because they want us to win too. And so the premise of this series is what happens if those guys get to come down out of the grandstand and just take one lap around the track with us? What advice would they give? What could we learn from them? And so um, we're going to start off this week. Um, when, I, when I think of the giants of the Bible, I think we all kind of have our own favorites and stuff like that. Um, obviously, like, Jesus has got to be one of our favorites, right? But outside of Jesus, if I was to put together my Mount Rushmore, um, I think that David would be up there. How could a man after God's heart not be on the Mount Rushmore? Um, Joseph, the, the Bible never even shows us that that guy made a mistake. Um, you can have Daniel, like Daniel's faithfulness. And how could you leave out the Apostle Paul, the, the modern-day church planner, right? But we're not going to start with any of those guys today. We're actually going to start with Jonah. Jonah, what did Jonah do in the Bible? Anybody know? He got swallowed by a well, right? So we're going to, we're going to talk about the guy that got swallowed by a fish today to start out this um, series. And, um, but but I, I think that the, the thing that it, there is, is sometimes the people that have messed up the most can teach us the most. Sometimes the people that have made mistakes they have more to share with us than even those, those other guys that maybe didn't make as big of mistakes. But the truth is, Springs Church, we all make mistakes. And so we, we, we have something to learn from Jonah today. So let's pray. Lord God, I just ask that um, you would come into this place right now, Lord God. I ask that you would open our hearts, Lord God, that as you drop the seed of your word this morning, that we would be able to receive it, Lord God, that it would sprout and that it would produce a crop a hundredfold and more, Lord God, in our community here in St. George. All right, so we've all made mistakes. Everybody agree? Anybody in here that hasn't made a mistake? No? Okay, well, let's look at some of the mistakes we make as, as human beings. Um, when iOS 8 came out, did anybody try to charge their phone in the microwave? 
Probably a pretty big mistake if you're charging your iPhone in the microwave. How about this, wives? Has anybody ever seen their husband, like that, that ladder's just not quite tall enough? You can either do that or you can actually even do this, right? And if that doesn't work, you can actually get above the problem and have some friends help you out, right? Like we all make mistakes. And then the last one, I really love this. I don't really know what a regurt is, but... But that person might have some regrets that they use that particular tattoo shop, right? So maybe those aren't our exact mistakes, but we've all made a mistake at some point. And, um, and Jonah definitely made, made mistakes. But I think the first thing that Jonah would tell us as he came down out of the grandstands and he joins us on the track is the first thing that he would tell us is that when you've made a mistake, God always will give you a second chance. There's always a second chance. So let's go to the word. We're going to spend most of our time this morning in Jonah um, chapter 1 through 3. So if you want to open your Bibles to Jonah, go ahead. There's going to be some other um, scriptures that we'll mix in. But um, we're going to start in Jonah chapter 1 verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He brought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by selling to Tarshish. So if you look at the map of the, of the ancient world, um, the, the city of Nineveh was um, northeast of where Jonah was in Joppa. It's like where modern-day Iraq is, and it was controlled by the Assyrians. And he, he basically gets this word from the Lord, and I don't really know that I would blame him. If you read some of the things that the Assyrians did, they were highly wicked and very, very brutal people. And the Lord said, why don't you go take a message of judgment to those guys and, and tell them how bad they are. Um, so I don't really know that I blame him, but, but he, didn't just like, he didn't just like go a little bit. It's not like God told him to go to Salt Lake and he headed to Price. He's like, nope, I'm going complete opposite direction. And he headed southwest to Joppa, which is down on the coast of Spain. Um, and, and as he did that, he gets on the boat, and in verse 4, it tells us that the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all of this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. So I think, I think one thing we see here is we can be completely out of touch with the impact of our decision. Every decision we make in life has impact, either impact on us personally, impact on people around us, our family, our friends, our coworkers, our subordinates, our bosses, whatever the case may be. Every decision we make has impact. Jonah's decision certainly had impact, right? There's a whole crew of sailors up on deck, and they're working their butts off to keep the ship from drowning, and Jonah was just completely out of touch with that. He's asleep in the hold. And I think sometimes we get there. But I love what happens next. When Jonah wakes up, in verse 12, it says he takes responsibility. So the first key I think that Jonah would give us, I think there's three keys that he'll give us today. And the first key that he's going to give us is that we have to take responsibility for our bad choice. Listen to what he said. Throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. He could have been like, I don't know what's going on, right? 
I, I, I have no idea what, what's going on. But he takes responsibility and says, it's because of me. Throw me in the sea and it will all stop. Proverbs says it this way. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. John Wooden, not a, really a theologian, but a great basketball coach, said, you're not a failure until you start blaming others for your mistakes. If we all make mistakes, like, why are we so hesitant to take responsibility for our mistakes? Like, I, I think that sometimes in us there's a, that there's a fear that, like, of what other people are going to think. Are they going to think less of me? They've made mistakes, too. And if we just get to that place where we understand that we all make mistakes and that everybody else that we come in contact with, they're also going to make mistakes, it makes it a lot easier to start to take responsibility for the things that we do. Um, so at this point, God sends the fish, right? And we've all heard the story. So God, God sends a fish. I don't know what kind of fish it was. It could have been a great big blue whale. It could have been some kind of shark. I know that from watching the Discovery Channel that I've seen plenty of fish that are big enough to swallow somebody whole. But God sends the fish, but the fish is really a rescue point. What would have happened to Jonah if he would have sat there in open waters? I don't know how long the ship sailed before, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't 100 yards to shore that he could have just swam back to shore and survived. By God sending the fish, he actually saves Jonah out of the water, right? Because the sea most certainly would have killed him. And so God is always waiting at that place. When we're ready to take responsibility, God's always waiting at that place to meet us there and to give us an opportunity to come to repentance. So... That's what happens in the story. God, the, the fish swallows Jonah. The Bible tells us that he's in the fish for three days. That's a fish that can't eat anything for three days, can't pass anything for three days. Very, very miserable, miserable fish, if you ask me. But um, then he comes and the fish spits him out on dry land, right? And the fish says, like, I, I think the fish said, like, this has been so miserable for me, I'm not even going to leave this guy in the sea for another fish to be tempted to eat this guy. But the fish spits him out onto dry land, and, um, and then that's where we see the next key. The next key, I think, is that we repent and turn away from the bad choice that we've made. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, we hear how that looked for Jonah. It says, I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Acts says it this way. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Jonah got to that place of re repentance. So he took responsibility. Yep, I did it. And then the second key is, I'm sorry. Right? Bruce Wilkerson, the, the Christian author Bruce Wilkerson says, Repentance changes your heart so deeply that God changes you. Did you know that when you repent, that this thing right here gets changed? And it's changed so deeply that it's not even recognizable before. The sin is shed, it's forever gone, and you're changed forever. And that happened in our story to Jonah. Jonah turned his heart towards God for his life. When we're in disobedience, we need to repent and walk towards God. So that leads us to key number three. Key number three is embrace God's grace. Because after we repent, he's a gracious God and he's always there waiting um, to give us grace. In the story, it starts out in chapter 3 and says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. 
Now, when the God of second chances, when he gives us a second chance, there are sometimes Springs Church where we have to go back to that place where we made the mistake and fix it. And that was certainly the case in our story. God goes, God, God, God gives him a second chance, gives him the message and says, go to Nineveh. And this time, I don't know where the fish left him, but wherever he was, he figured out a way and headed straight for Tarshish. No more, no more, um, uh, no more delaying. He, he got to Nineveh and he brought the, the, the message. A more modern example of this was many years ago, there was a man, he was sailing across the Atlantic Ocean. And this man had a ship and he was, the, the ship was, the, the whole cargo hold of the ship was full of slaves that he was bringing from West Africa and he was sailing towards the Caribbean. It was a man that was very motivated by, grill, or by greed and by money and he, he basically would do anything to get it. He was from England and he had a mother that continued to pray day in, day out for, his, for her son that he would see the Lord and that he would be able to come to the Lord. And this man also encountered a storm, very similar to the storm that Jonah encountered. And basically the storm was tearing the boat apart. It was almost certain that this boat was going to go down and that he was going to lose his life. His crew was going to lose their lives. All of the slaves that were in the cargo hold were going to lose their lives. And at that moment, he turned to God. And this is the only thing that he knew right then. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. But now I see. John Newton was that man. And God gave him those words on that ship. God gave him the, the, the lyrics to that song that we've all come to know and love so much. God, God inspired those lyrics on that ship. And he spent the rest of his life trying to abolish slavery. Like he fought against the very thing that he was a part of. He fought against it in the English country. Eventually they outlawed slavery. Then it spread to the Americas. Our world is vastly different because of that. what happened with that man on that boat. We all have that opportunity. Like his mistakes were grievous. But so we've all made grievous mistakes, right? So there's no mistake that's too big that we can't have a good comeback with God at our side. Hebrews says it this way. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. We'll find grace to help us when we need it most. That doesn't say come quivering to God like a scared, like, oh, am I, am I worthy enough to, to get this blessing? That's not how it says to come. It says come boldly, right? Because when we've known Christ, we've been adopted as heirs to the kingdom and heirs to the covenant. So we can come boldly before the throne and that grace is available to us. I think that there's two reasons, though, that we don't. We either, number one, we let the bad choices define us, or number two, we let bad choices disqualify us. How does that look? Well, we shouldn't let a bad choice define us, because Romans 8 and 1 says, now there's no condemnation for those that belong to Christ Jesus. And once we've gone through that repentance, once we've been forgiven, that sin's no more. So you can't call that sin 
you can't call me by that name. If I'm a liar, you cannot call me a liar. That sin's been forgiven. Like, you can't call a slanderer, a murderer, whatever, whatever the case may be. There's, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And I think that that one's pretty easy for us. But I think the next one's a little bit harder for us. We can't let the bad choice disqualify us. Romans 8.28, so I think it's interesting that Paul starts Romans 8 with don't let it define you. And then he almost closes Romans chapter 8 with don't let it disqualify you. But it says, now we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love them and are called according to their purpose. God can work through your mistakes, Springs Church. When Pastor Brian and I, David talked about him a minute ago, when we, when we went out to the Springs Church and, and we met Jenna and she took us on a tour, um, she was here last week, so you guys, got, some of you got a chance to hear from her. When we went on that, God is using the Dream Center in Short Creek for good. It wasn't intended for good when Warren Jeffs built it, but it's being used for good today. And God can do any of that with any of our mistakes as well. If bad choices disqualified us, Peter couldn't have been used because he abandoned Jesus. At Jesus' worst hour of need, Peter um, would have disqualified himself by abandoning Jesus. Paul would have uh, disqualified himself. He killed Christians. King David would have disqualified himself. He committed adultery and murder, right? And the list could go on and on and on. We could go through the, the people in the Bible, and most everybody in the Bible we see has made some sort of mistake and would have been disqualified, but yet God used them to do something more. So this time, Jonah obeyed. So Jonah obeys the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. Sometimes we have to go back to the point of our bad decision and make it right. And when we do that, we will always find God's power and strength. So I'm going to give three keys to how we can safeguard against um, bad choices real quick. And then I'm going to tell you a, a, a story of how I think it works for us today. And then we'll be done. But first, how to safeguard against bad choices. First off, we have to use God's word as a guide to us. Like, we have to get into the word. Um, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it will be the difference maker in our life. Um, don't read it randomly. I, I challenge you, like, if you, if you don't have a plan or something, like, go to your smartphone, download the Version app. Like, there's a verse of the day every single day. If you can just meditate and feed on that one verse every single day, it can be a huge difference maker for your life. If you, if something, if you like to get more into it and you have more time and you want to read, there's all sorts of plans that can help you out. If we randomly read, you can end up like this. There was a guy, he went and he, he just opened up his Bible and said, what's God's word for me for today? And he t just flipped it open. He ended up at Matthew 27, 7. And it says, Judas went out and hung himself. He's like, well, that's definitely not for me. So flips over a few more pages and he ends up at Luke 10, 37 and said, go and do the same. And he's like, well, that for sure isn't for me. So he flips over a few more pages and ends up at John 13, 27. And it says, and Jesus said, go do it quickly. <laughs> That's not how God intends us for, to read his word, Springs Church. Like, so get in, read a whole passage, let somebody direct you to a passage that will be a difference maker in your life. Um, the second key is, or the second thing we can do is ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, it will guide you into all truth. He will not speak out on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. 
one way that we can know that we're hearing the Spirit correctly is it will always align with the written word. So as we start reading the written word and we get more into the written word, we'll know that the Spirit will always line up with that. But a few other things that you can use to test that as well is first, is that choice God-honoring? Just ask yourself, does this choice honor God or not honor God? And then you'll, you'll, you'll pretty much know which one to make. How will it affect my spiritual health? How will it affect my relationships? How will it affect the mission that God's put me on? How will this decision affect my family and those around me? So those are a few questions that you can ask if you're ever in doubt about the Holy Spirit and the wisdom. And then the third one is seek godly counsel. Proverbs 13, 20 um, says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Um, if you're new here at the Springs Church, first off, I want to say a huge welcome, but somebody probably invited you to come today. So, you know, if you're facing a challenging decision, ask that person. Get in relationships. Get in a small group. Get in a small group with like-minded people, and, and then you can have those conversations and bounce whatever your decisions are off of them, and that, that will help us make better decisions. Because we all need somebody like that in our life. We all need somebody that can help lead us and counsel us. We were designed, like we just spent the last six weeks going through how we were designed for relationships. And that's super important. So um, so how does it play out for us? I kind of want to tell a story, um, a personal story about me when I was much like Jonah. Um, I got out of high school. I went to college. I got my bachelor's degree. And by that time, I was married and had a baby, a second baby on the way. So I quit my education at that point, and I went to work. More than a decade later, I felt like God was telling me to go back to school. So I, I started researching master's programs. I picked a program. Like, it was online. I could get away with um, going to campus for about two weeks a year. Um, and, and so I could keep working and everything like that and still be able to get my master's degree. During my master's degree, it was actually a program at Life Pacific Bible College in San Dimas, California. During my master's degree, um, we had probably each week more than 100 pages of reading, plus discussion boards, plus we had papers, we had a midterm, like four, every four weeks that was somewhere in the neighborhood of 8 to 12 pages, and then we had a final that was um, another essay that was in the neighborhood of 12 to 18 pages. I did all that while having a family, four kids, a wife, and working a full-time job. By the end of two years, I was exhausted. I was completely burned out. It was only by the grace of God that I could make it through that. But I had one paper left to write, that old capstone. It's 40 to 60 page paper, and I got done with my classes, and I was like, I'm going to take a break before I, before I take on this monstrosity, right? And so I did. I took a break. I finished in December right before Christmas. And I took a break. That, work, that spring, things got really busy at work. And then we went to, we were able to actually go down to California and celebrate graduation. I took the family to Disneyland, San Diego. We took two weeks off. We just went and relaxed together. It was a, basically, thank you for putting up with me for the last two years. But I still hadn't written this paper. I still had this paper hitting on my head. That fall comes around. And I was in a church service. I was sitting right there in the second row right behind where Clay is sitting, and we were worshiping to You Make Me Brave. There's a line in that song that says, You make me brave, you make me brave, you call me out beyond the shores into the waves. And right as we sang that line of that song, God whispered to my soul, he says, 
be brave. Take this on. I've got this. Okay, God. Like, and I accepted that. I knew it was a word for God. I knew it was a direct command from God. But um, I, I, I'd heard that word directly from God. And I, I remember that afternoon going home, and I was like, I should start my capstone. And I remember telling, saying, there's a football game on. I'm going to watch the football game, and I'll start tomorrow. I didn't start tomorrow. I didn't start the next day. I didn't start the day after that. Actually ended up going two more years before I finally was willing to come to the place where I said, God, I've messed this up. You gave me that command two years ago that you had this, that I, all I needed to do was take out that step to, to be brave and take that step forward and that you were going to catch me. You were going to be there for me. You were going to make my time more abundant somehow. Like, I don't know how I would have done it in that two years, but God promised, right? And I, I put it off. But I got to that place and I said, God, I'm sorry for ignoring your word. I'm sorry for ignoring that word that you gave to me. I'm sorry. And he said, okay, well, let's do it. And we, I did. And it was a, like, I was able, the, the paper just like, it sailed through. I was able to make some, meet some amazing people. Um, basically, I got to, for my final paper, I got to go around and interview church planters that planted churches. And I wrote a, a capstone paper about planting churches in um, communities that have a high Mormon popula population. And it was an amazing experience. I learned so much from it. But I still wish that I would have done it when he first said, you know, how much of that two years, like how much did I miss because I waited two years, right? So back to the story about me and Brian. We ended up at the Short Creek Dream Center. We met Jenna. Jenna took us on a tour. We went on a tour of the Dream Center and we were standing there talking after. And I asked her, I said, what's next? What are, what are you guys doing next? And she's like, well, funny you should ask. There's a food bank here in town and the, the couple that's been running it is retiring. And um, we're actually poised to take that over here in the next month or so. That familiar whisper to my heart, hmm? God saying, I want you to be involved in that. Hmm? Okay, I'm not waiting this time, God. Hmm? I'm not waiting. I'm going to take that step into whatever that is. If God's asking you to take that step, join me on the journey. If he's asking you to take a step into a different small group, I challenge you today to take that step into whatever he has for you. Because Jonah, as we finish that lap with us, I think he'd remind us, I don't think any of us are done making our last bad choice, our last wrong decision. Newsflash, it probably will happen again. But the great news is that we serve a God that never runs out of second chances. Thank you.